And welcome to it, Pure Opelka Podcast for Thursday, the 1st of December. Welcome to December. Uh, I'm not even going to do this day in history today because really the only thing you need to remember about December 1st is that uh, back in 1955 on December 1st, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus and it forever changed America. Rosa Parks, a true American hero, someone who sat and changed America. Yeah, if you ride the bus in big cities today, you'll notice there is an empty seat near the front. You're not supposed to take it. That's a seat to honor Rosa Parks. America's a pretty great place, isn't it? Sure. Yes, it is. Uh, I need to hurry up and get to all the news, and we're also going to have Lauren Fix, the car coach, stop in today because I want to talk about the Corvair and the Corvette. Two great American cars. There's uh, big news for one of them. We'll get to it. And I also have to hurry up because I'm headed down to D.C. where Joe Biden is hosting the first state dinner of his presidency. Of course, I'm not invited. But 200 people will be in attendance. 200 fortunate people who will be dining on butter poached lobster caught offshore from Maine. I thought we weren't supposed to be doing that. Didn't Whole Foods tell us they weren't going to be selling Maine lobsters because of some woke thing? Yeah, I think that's what it is. But there will be butter poached lobster from Maine. There will be caviar. There will be fine wines. And hopefully there will be more screw-ups from the president. Earlier today, the president met with uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, outside of uh, the White House near Lafayette Park and uh, managed to screw up (laughs) the name of the Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah, this one happened earlier today. It's kind of amazing. My friend and I were talking. France is our oldest ally, our unwavering partner in freedom's cause. From the spirit of Marcus de Lafayette. Who? who helped secure the success of our revolution to the sacrifice of American GIs who stormed the beaches of Normandy. Our history has been shaped by the courage of the women and men who crossed the Atlantic, carrying within their hearts the flame of liberty. Today... Yeah, 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 I know. I'm, I'm, I'm picking on the guy. But you'd think he would know Marquise de Lafayette, not Marcus... Marcus is somebody else altogether, sir. I'm just saying. But, you know, it wasn't the only thing Biden said incorrectly in the last couple of days. He was uh, speaking yesterday at the Tribal Nations Summit at the White House, and a bunch of Native American groups were there, and he confused an Escalade with Escalante. Last year at the White House, when I restored national monuments at Bears Ears and the Grand Staircase Escalade in Utah. Not Escalade. (laughs) That's what the Secret Service rides around in. Unless, of course, you're renting the cars up in uh, New Hampshire uh, or Nantucket, and they all catch fire. Five Secret Service cars that were rented from Hertz caught fire all at the same time? Were they burning evidence? I would like to know. I would like to know. While we're at the Native American thing, Joe uh, Joe said some strange stuff. And now maybe this is just a politician being political. 
because you always like to pander to the group that you're speaking to. You probably shouldn't if you want to be real and genuine. But Joe just wanted the Native American groups to know how much Jill Biden really loves the Native Americans. By the way, she spent a lot of time on other reservations, other uh, nations as well. I'm worried she's not going to come home one of these days when she goes. (laughs) You think I'm joking. I'm telling you. If I hear more about the Navajos than I hear about me. um, (laughs) You all think I'm kidding, don't you? Anyway. Yeah, at any rate, uh, I'm telling a lie. That's not true. That didn't really happen. That's our president yesterday talking to a Native American group, screwing up words, saying things that didn't make any sense, telling stories that nobody believes, and the media just doesn't pursue it because most of them are with him and they don't want to challenge them. But tonight there will be a state dinner And the state dinner will feature some really good food, really good wine. And I really think it's a bad idea, bad optics in the face of the economy and what people are dealing with today as we get closer and closer to the holidays. People are having to uh, downsize their plans for the holidays. People are having to choose between heating and eating. And Joe is going to have to choose between the butter poached lobster, and I'm sure there's a meat entree option available too. So uh, it's a stark contrast to what you and I are facing. Really stark contrast. And, you know, you had dinner last night with Mr. and Mrs. Macron. Mr. and Mrs. Biden had dinner with Mr. and Mrs. Macron. So why did they have to have a giant dinner tonight? Just doesn't make any sense to me. If he's truly the working man president, he would act like the working man president. Um, and while we're on Biden, I got to pick on him because uh, he um, he's never been to the border as president. Our border is a gigantic mess and we have millions of people coming across undocumented coming into this country, plus the the drugs that are killing up to 300 young Americans a day and making the cartels rich the sex trafficking that's going on. And Joe Biden's never been there. Kamala's not been there. Kamala went to uh, downtown El Paso, but didn't go to the border. It was kind of like a flyby. But Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, also known as Cringe, is happy to tell us that Joe Biden has been to the border. It's a lie. Kevin McCarthy says that he invited President Biden down to the border. How does the president RSVP? (laughs) <laughs> well, we know we know the president's never been down to the border. The possible next speaker says that he wants him to go with him, so is he going to? So, look, uh, he's been there. He's been to the border. No, he hasn't. That's a lie. Joe Biden in uh, 2021, October of 2021, was doing a town hall on CNN, and he was asked about going to the border. CNN, in a rare moment of journalism, brought it up. Here's what Joe said then. Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the, but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. You haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. You got your own plane, sir, and you were in the neighborhood. You could have just bounced over from where you were. It was less than an hour 
from one of the locations you stopped at that month. And also, since taking office, if we're doing the math, Joe Biden has spent 268 days on vacation. 268 days, hasn't gone to the border. He has more reasons why he didn't go, though. I've been spending time going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by, uh, by hurricanes. I, I'm betting, I'm just betting here, that the millions of people crossing the border, the, the billions of dollars of drugs that have crossed into the border, the lives that have, have been taken from families due to the drugs, the fentanyl, the opioids that have crossed into the border. I'm, I'm wagering it outstrips the $900 billion or million dollars you're talking about in hurricane damage. I'm just throwing that out there. Floods and, and weather and, tra- and traveling around the world. But uh, I plan on, now my wife Jill has been down. She's been on both sides of the river. She's seen the circumstances there. And she's also called Latinos in San Antonio. Like breakfast tacos. Yeah, that she's also not elected and has no power to do anything, sir. 268 days on vacation. You could have lopped off three of them and gone to the border and spent a day there trying to see what's actually going on. But no, that's not what you're about. That's not what you're up to. It is disgusting. Getting back to the press secretary who started all this with the lie that Joe Biden has been to the board, and it's not true. Uh, she was also cornered yesterday about Twitter and asked if um, they saw something in the administration they didn't like, would they try and shut Twitter down? She never really answered the question. When you say that you're going to be monitoring some of the speech on there, if you see something that you don't like, would you try to shut Twitter down? So look, you know, when you when you talk about monitoring, you know, it is, uh, I, I hate to break it to you, Peter, just like everybody else, we very much monitor the news. We pay close attention to everything that you all are reporting, and, and Twitter's in the news a lot. And so that's what we're paying attention to. We're paying attention to what is in the news and what is being reported on, uh, on the misinformation that's out there. Let's- so no answer to that question. Just no answer. Just to let you know. We're not only monitoring Twitter, we're monitoring you. We're keeping an eye on you. That should scare everybody. It, it really should. And Elizabeth Warren yesterday was one of the people who uh, showed that she's keeping an eye on Twitter. She's mad at Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll try and pull up what um, she said about Elon Musk. Because Musk has got the left just absolutely apoplectic. Elon Musk is out there getting ready to unleash the hounds, if you will. I believe he has um, unsuspended, is that the term? More than 60,000 accounts that have been suppressed for the past couple of years. He also said that, um, that uh, Twitter has um, affected and altered elections. He freely admitted that Twitter has meddled in elections. And by saying that and by letting people free from their Twitter suspensions, thousands of them, tens of thousands of them, it has the left freaking out. And before, when we were asking questions about why can't conservatives be free to speak on Twitter, the left, people like Elizabeth Warren, were fond of saying, 
Well, Twitter's a private company. It's uh, it's privately owned, and the shareholders and directors are allowed to do what they want to do with their private company. Well, now that it's owned by uh, Elon Musk, uh, the government wants to stick its nose in there and actually change things. Here's Elizabeth Warren getting stopped in the halls of the Senate building yesterday being asked about Elon Musk and the changes to Twitter. Someone sounds a little triggered. Republicans say that um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. Well, you were fine with that when Jack Dorsey, an unapologetic liberal, was running Twitter. You were fine with that when it was conservatives who were being shadow banned and shut down and, and removed from Twitter. You were okay with that, but you're not okay with this. Yesterday, we heard that Elon Musk met with Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, and uh, they had a sit-down. And according to Elon, they resolved their differences over whether or not Twitter was in any danger of being pulled from the App Store. Apparently, that's not happening, and it never really was on the table, according to Elon Musk. Now, Musk has some problems with Europe. The EU has sent uh, Elon a list of things they would like done in terms of content moderation, or they're threatening to block Twitter in Europe. I think Elon Musk is going to call their bluff. But as concerns Apple, I think Apple had to do this because they were under fire for what they did in shutting off the um, AirDrop, AirShare, whatever that function is, on iPhones in China as the protests were happening. And it should be no surprise to anybody because Tim Cook has been a big supporter, a big praise machine when it comes to China. China's done an unbelievable job of lifting people out of poverty. Yeah. They've done an incredible job, I mean, far beyond uh, what any country has done. We were talking about 19, mid-90s to today. The biggest change is the number of people that have been pulled out of poverty by far. And we should all applaud that. No, no, we shouldn't, because how it's happened is by making them servants to the Communist Chinese Party. You're walking around China and you have your smartphone with you. You can be stopped at any time. And the police are allowed to ask you to see your cell phone. And they push a button. And if your phone flashes red, you're probably going to get locked up. It flashes yellow, you're going to get a warning. It flashes green, you're going to get approved to go wherever you want. This is all part of the social credit scoring. Because your phone tracks you, and the Chinese government knows where you've been. So if you've been to a protest, that phone is going to give off the red signal. It's worse than that. That's a very basic example of what's going on with China. And we're slowly but surely getting there. And we're dumb to do that. Speaking of dumb, AOC, who puts out all these... uh, Twitter and Instagram videos that are just irritating as all hell. And I can't believe people like them. 
They're very idiotic and very simple-minded. And we just heard from, and I think this is the first time we've actually heard anything substantial from AOC's fiance, someone named Riley. This, to me, is the height of castrating a man, taking away a man's identity. And if he's willing to do this, it's his choice. But man, just listen. Listen to this uh, video that was posted yesterday. So, Riley, what has been helpful to you in combating racism? Uh, I think it's helpful and important to talk to other white people about racism. Now, she keeps turning and looking at the camera and smiling like, look what I got him to say. And I think a lot of people, they don't want to be racist. They don't think that they're racist, but they also don't know some of the things that they believe or say are and can be racist. He's memorized his part very well, hasn't he? Maybe. And... I think one of the like effective ways is just to talk and kind of help teach them about why some of the things they believe or say or think are wrong, Mm -hmm. not necessarily racist, but that they're wrong. And that'll sort of like chip away and, you know, contribute to some development in this area, but not necessarily take somebody from like being a racist Mm -hmm. to not being a racist in one car. Wow. She's nodding her head, but it's, Looks like she's about to say something, like he forgot a point. And it's just always being open to learning about racist things that we may have said or done without judgment and defensiveness. Is America really this dumb? Apparently so, because we've elected AOC twice now. And there are people talking about her getting into the Senate or even into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. In some manner, president, vice president, who knows? Boy, is it scary. Uh, And also scary, the uh, Ponzi schemer, uh, Mr. Bankman Freed, was being interviewed yesterday. And he's trying to make his case, trying to say that he's not a bad guy. He just might have been a little stupid and a little cocky. Here he is talking about stealing and subsequently losing billions of funds from customers billions you also took out a one billion dollar loan what was that for that was generally for reinvesting in the company i was not for you know consumption i you know to my knowledge i have basically nothing left um you know basically everything i had was invested in the business i expect i'm gonna have nothing at the end of this i expect you're gonna be in a jail cell but i think this guy's got Bitcoins or tokens, NFT tokens hidden all around the world that we'll never know about. And the left, the left needs to own up to helping him because he helped all of them. Let's not forget he is the single largest Democrat candidate donor behind George Soros. Millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars were given directly to Democrat candidates. And he also bought data for millions, data on voters from data collection firms, and gave that data to candidates. He doesn't think he's liable criminally in any way, shape, or form. Right now, are you in the Bahamas because you think you can't leave? 
no, I, I'm I'm in the Bahamas. I I I have been in in the Bahamas for the last year, and you know, I've been running FTX from the Bahamas. You know, been running FTX Digital Market, our you know primary operating entity down here. Um, you know, with with you know Bahamian uh, regulators and uh, you know and others in 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 contact, and uh, you know, right now, I'm you know I'm looking to be helpful anywhere I can with any of the global entities that. Uh, you know, that would want my help. Do you think you could come to the United States or go elsewhere? I, 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 I to my knowledge, I could. A- have you thought about doing that? I, I've, I've thought about it. And, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I've seen uh, a lot of the, uh, obviously a lot of the hearings that, that have been happening. I, you know, would not be surprised if, you know, Sometime I am, you know, up there talking about what happened to our representatives or, um, you know, wherever else is, is most appropriate. Get his butt here. This guy's a crook. This guy's a swindler. This guy's a criminal. And he needs to be in a courtroom and then in a jail cell. I can't believe he's still in the Bahamas. Don't we have some kind of extradition? Can't there be a charge? Instead of chasing all this crap with trump go after a guy who hurt millions of people it's crazy all right i'm stepping aside uh because our buddy lauren fix the car coach is here and we're going to talk about corvairs and corvettes and something lauren has in the four minute friday that you need to hear about that's next on the pure opelka podcast Our friend Lauren Fix, the car coach, is joining us. We talk to Lauren almost every week, sometimes more than once a week, and that's a bonus for us because we love cars. We love to talk about cars. We love to learn about cars. We love to know when weird things are happening with cars. And Lauren shares her knowledge with us. Every week she does a four-minute Friday video on her YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports, and uh, she teaches us stuff. But I also get to pick Lauren's brain about car issues, and she's here now. Welcome, my friend. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. It's December, last month of the year. You would think everybody's kind of slacking off. No, not Lauren Fix. She's working hard. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we get to it, Lauren, this week is a major anniversary. Uh, In 1965, Ralph Nader, I say that with a frown in my face, Ralph Nader, I say it like Newman on Seinfeld, hello Nader, uh, came out with a book called Unsafe at Any Speed that basically destroyed the Chevy Corvair, a little coupe, rear engine coupe, that I thought was a successful car. And it basically killed it. Nader said this car was dangerous. It's unsafe at any speed. You can't, and it would go pretty fast. And that was basically the end of it. And I need to know your opinion on this, Lauren. And did you ever own one? Actually, yes. My father had two Corvairs. He had a a Corvair, which was a Corsair, I believe. And we used it to tow a boat, V8 engine in the back. And we also had a convertible, which my mother drove. And she had that until they tried to get us to get rid of them. I think it was 1970. She got a Barracuda brand new to replace it, a Barracuda convertible. But she had a bright red, black top uh, Corvair. And they were great cars for towing because it had the towing capacity. And they sold tons of them. But remember, Ralph Nader came out of nowhere as some consumer advocate and said they were completely unsafe when there were other cars in the road that were probably more unsafe. So 
it really put a hurt on General Motors because that was a big selling vehicle. Yeah, I loved the Corvair. I had one for just about three months when I was a teenager, and it was a lot of fun car, except if your fan belt broke. And anybody who knows about Corvairs knows that the fan belt went on both sides of the engine. It was a rear engine car, and you had to be a ninja and be able to <laughs> crawl around in there and get that fan belt working. But it was a fun car. And Nader kept saying, well, it's a problem. The The hood latch isn't right, and the hood will fly up while you're driving. Well, the book came out in 1965. By 1964, Chevy had basically fixed all of the things he pointed out as problems, but that didn't matter. It still killed the car. You can buy them. They're on the, on eBay and, and all the usual used car joints everywhere. They ain't cheap. I'd like to have one, but I don't think I can afford to you know, pay for one. It's, it doesn't have all the new safety stuff on it. So uh, Lauren and I are both shaking a finger, wagging yeah. a finger at Ralph Nader for killing what not was a, fan. a great car. You're not a fan. All right, Lauren, what are we uh, What are we learning about this week in the 4-Minute Friday? Is it about the new Corvettes, the new Corvette division from Chevy? That I, I'll, I'll, No, that's not what we're learning about, but I will tell you about that. Okay, this drives me crazy. So General Motors has been watching Ford going, oh, look at that. Ford made this Mach-E. I refuse to call it a Mustang because it's not. It may look like one, but it's still an SUV, and a Mustang is not an SUV. It's a pony car or a sports car. Always has been, always will be. So here's what's the interesting part of all of this is they've decided that Corvette's going to become its own brand, and they're going to build the electric Corvette not in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where every other Corvette's been built. They're going to build it in the General Motors plant in Michigan, because it's going to be built next to the Cadillacs and the Buicks and all the rest of the electric SUVs. And it's going to have its own division. Corvette will be its own division. So like Buick is its own division. And it's going to have electric SUVs. So what I, we're having this whole chat, this text chat amongst my amusing friends. And they're just laughing their butts off about this. Because they're like, okay, so what's next? The Camaro electric car? I'm like, oh, I am 100% sure why don't we just shorten it and call it the Chevette? You know. <laughs> oh my God, I'm having flashbacks to the awful yeah. Chevette car. So wait, let me get this straight. Chevy is taking the Corvette, which has been a Chevrolet model, and turning it into its own badge, its own brand, and yep. they're going to create uh, SUVs, and they'll still have the little two-door Corvette race car kind of a thingy. Right. And will there be a sedan as well? We don't know. All we know is Corvette is one of the few shining stars that has survived General Motors' challenges over the past 50 years, so they now are going to mess it up. Ugh. That's how I see it. They're going to mess it up. They'll probably put, like, red stripes on one of them and the bucket seats, and they'll call it, like, their sports cruiser replacement. I mean, this is going I, – I just can't imagine what Corvette's going to be in a few years having people ask, oh, you want a Corvette? Which one, the cool sports car or the trying-to-be-so-cool SUV? Well, you know, I have a friend who has a Porsche Macan, and he has a Macan. Macan, sorry, uh, and, right. and it's the S model, and he loves it. He says he'll never buy another car unless uh, he's forced to. But he says he absolutely loves it, and it's a great car. So, couldn't Chevy use the success that they've had with the Corvette in making a smaller but kind of nimble SUV? Uh, they could, but I think they need to to slim down their product their product line to begin with and they've got way too many duplications triplications of product 
uh, and they want to go all electric. And I think it's a huge mistake because many brands who said we're not going to go all electric are smart enough to know that they have to have some other form of propulsion, whether it be hydrogen that charges a combustion engine or hydrogen that charges an electric vehicle. There's other options, but planning to go all EV, and I am going to be doing a segment on this, that if you were to meet the required charging stations by 2035, you know what would happen? We'd have enough power used, and those stations would be equivalent to a small town. So how are we going to do this? It's not going to work. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. That's this Friday's segment. It talks about what other options are there. I've been talking about synthetic gas, synthetic fuel that can replace gasoline. And so I will discuss e-fuels originally designed by Porsche being built by a Saudi company called Aramco. So if you're a Formula One fan, an F1 fan, you know who Aramco is. Uh, And they are a big company. Also, Shell, which is a Dutch company, is involved in this, as well as um, ExxonMobil. They're working on it as well. And so I bring you up to date on synthetic fuels and its possibilities. Okay. And what it really means and the costs, because it actually is getting, we're already producing it. We're testing it now. Soon it'll be available. Wow. I'm excited to hear about this because offering alternatives to the uh, overlords who want to force the electric vehicles on everybody, uh, we need we need information to say, okay, how about this? Other than just mm-hmm. saying uh, the gooey dinosaur juice. Before we leave the Chevrolet thing, Lauren, let me ask you one last question. Will the yeah. Corvette powered by gasoline still remain in Bowling Green? Yes. They're still going to make the hybrid, which is coming out. And the, ga- and the gasoline-powered ones coming out of the Bowling Green, Kentucky plant. That's where the museum is. If you're ever down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, absolutely worth going down to see the museum. Really amazing vehicles there. And the fact they're still being built here for well over 50 years, it makes it an amazing vehicle. I- I'm just It's always been the cor- poor man's uh, sports car. Like, you can't have a Ferrari. All right, I'll get a Corvette. You know, they look as good. They, they go well. They handle well. But it, it always kills me when, you know, they try to, it's the same thing as Ford. It doesn't make sense. Porsche is a different story. I have had Cayenne since they came out in 2003. I actually own two diesel Cayennes from 2013 and 2016. I'm not selling them because I love them and they go 700 miles on a tank. But I will tell you, I still own a 911 and I have not going to get rid of sports cars. But having an SUV that fun to drive is also a nice thing to have so maybe they're going to try and cut into that marketplace i just don't know how big that marketplace is when literally everybody's in that marketplace from land rover jaguar bmw audi mercedes there's only so much that people want a performance suv so i don't know how many they think they're going to sell well this is an interesting one to follow and you should follow lauren fix the car coach she's on twitter instagram facebook And the Friday, four-minute Friday report is on the YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports YouTube channel. Go there, subscribe. You'll get car smarts for free. And then hang out when Lauren and I hang out and talk about things. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 